All right. Well, hello, everyone, again. Thanks for joining us. I'm Morgan Harper, VP of Knowledge Management at LISC, and I'm joined by Maurice Jones, our fearless CEO. Nice to be with you. Thanks for being here, Maurice, as usual. Thank you. So before we get to our main discussion, I think the real question on everyone's mind is, have you seen Black Panther yet? I have not seen it yet. No? But it's on my list. I want to take uh, my wife and my daughter to it. We'll probably wait until her spring break, which is in two weeks. Okay. All right. It's also on my list. I have not seen it yet, but might have to schedule a future conversation to decide that. You got a deal. You got a deal. So so we did want to spend some time today talking about Black History Month. We've already released a story about it. What does the month mean to you? You know, I think what the, the month means for me I was raised by grandparents, and my grandfather was born in 1914. My grandmother was born in 1919. Uh, So in a sense, my household was one where black history was alive and well and a huge part of the culture of the household. I mean— My grandfather and grandmother had lived through years when black codes were real. They lived through segregation. Mm -hmm. They lived at a time when, uh, in fact, the schools were segregated and the transportation uh, was segregated. And my grandfather couldn't go to school beyond six years in a barn because the county-sanctioned discrimination prevented buses from coming out to pick them up. So when I think about black history, honestly, what I think about uh, most often is the love and the joy and the richness Mm -hmm. of my my upbringing with my grandparents. That's great. And that's actually, I think, a a good segue because I think a lot of times in this month, though— In a lot of positive ways, the celebration of Black History Month has moved towards more celebration of our culture, achievements, etc. But it also is a time for people to reflect on our nation's ever-evolving relationship with race, really. And we could probably have a whole podcast on that (laughs) in and of itself. But to just take one bit of that and as it intersects with our work, community development, what do you think community development as an industry is doing to advance racial equity? As an industry, what we're doing uh, across the country is partnering with the aspirations of communities that are underinvested, communities that are, relatively speaking, underserved, communities that are largely communities of color, African-American, Latino, et cetera. And they are, we are, partnering with the aspirations of the residents of those communities and encouraging those aspirations and investing in them. And uh, by doing that, uh, look, we're helping folks to achieve progress that's not linear, and that's what people need to always keep in mind. But you can see it when you visit these communities and you see a high-quality child care center popping up in Flint, Michigan, in mm-hmm. the middle of a neighborhood that's overwhelmingly African-American, right? That is something that that community has wanted for a long, long time. That is something 
that will outlive the lives of many of the adults that live in that community. That's something that community development organizations did with the residents uh, of those communities. So we are uh, essentially encouraging and investing in the aspirations of folks who will continue to contribute to black history and and American history for years to come. And and maybe to push back a little bit there, because LISC has been at this for a while. We have almost our 40th anniversary coming up. And you still see stats that show the racial wealth gap, that black people, generally speaking, are disproportionately behind those of other racial groups in terms of asset building, et cetera. So how do you reconcile community development's strategies with those types of outcomes? So I I think uh, you first have to keep in mind that um, community development is entering a story that started 400-plus years ago. And it was a story whose start was a start of unevenness, right? It was not as if if you were, we're looking at the Olympics right now, right? It's as if you're at the top of the slope, right? And when African-Americans started this journey— uh, on that race, we hadn't even gotten up to the hill yet, right? Mm-hmm. And so the work of community development is coming along years later at the bottom of that slope, to continue that analogy. And so there's a lot that we have to work to overcome that we have inherited from the history of America and the history of discrimination and uneven starts. And so when people say, oh, you've been at it for 40 years and you still have statistics that show that communities of color are not doing as well as other communities on various metrics, employment and Mm -hmm. uh, life expectancy, et cetera. I say to them, that's true. We've been at it for 40 years. The country has been at it for 400 years, right? Right. We still have room to work. And the amazing thing is the progress, Mm -hmm. even though it may be, that we've made in this time that we have uh, been at it. But I think people have to step back and realize that the communities that we're working with did not start at the same starting line that others did and that such things as wealth and life expectancy and employment are not things that just occur at a moment, they are the accumulation of historical events, experiences that you see snapshots at a time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we just got to keep at it. Have you found it difficult to make that case, so to speak, with some of the decision makers you meet with and in explaining the role of community development? I think you have to always remind folks that, again, as I say, we are part of a story that started before us, that we are entering in a chapter that's well into the book, um, Mm -hmm. and we've got a lot of work to do, but we've made progress. And I think you just have to keep reminding people of that, keep reminding them of the fact that 
everything that you're seeing is not something that developed overnight. Right. And so our ability to completely close these gaps that people are seeing, there's no reason to think that in 40 years we would close a gap that started in 1619. Right. And it does seem like, you know, maybe another tension, so to speak, is there are a couple messages that we are communicating. At once, I think it's dangerous for folks to assume, and we as an industry can sometimes be uh, at risk of perpetuating myths that the issues and gaps that we work on are solely the purview of communities of color, black community, et cetera, um, but at the same time also highlighting some of these disproportionate inequities. So how do you reconcile that there, tension? There is, in my mind, it's a false tension, right? And we should be acknowledging that you have to work on these issues in a twofold manner, right? You have to address those things that are structural, that are systemic, that are historical. And at the same time, you have to address those things that individuals are doing that are inhibiting their full promise. You have to do both, right? Mm -hmm. And the the time that it takes to debate whether one or the other uh, is time wasted. Mm -hmm. You have to do both. And all of us, no matter what community you come from, make good and bad choices. That right. is the nature of the human condition. So acknowledge that, right? Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is you can't look at these communities in an objective, dispassionate way and not acknowledge that the contributors to where we are includes redlining, includes banks not serving folks in an even way, includes unequal access to housing and education. You can't in an objective way dismiss those factors as factors that occurred years ago and don't still have impact. If you're right. doing that, you're being ahistorical. And if you personalize it, you have to know that your own trajectory is influenced by parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and the things that they were able to pass on to you that you did nothing to actually earn. Mm -hmm. Right. That goes with everybody. And so you have to acknowledge that it's both. You have to work on both things. And so in February 2018, closing yep. in on the end of Black History Month, what makes yep. you hopeful that we are actually living up to the legacy of your grandparents and the work that they put in? Yeah. So, look, I for me, the message of uh, black history is that. You have to acknowledge your experience, right? Experience should be something that uh, that actually influences choices that you make. You learn from experiences, but at the same time, you should be defined by your expectations, right? And so for me, the lesson of my grandparents is, they were defined by what they expected to happen, mm -hmm. what they expected to happen to them and what they expected to happen to their grandson, right? Mm -hmm. They expected me to go on 
and to go to college. They expected me. My grandfather wanted me to be a pastor, but they expected me <laughs> to go to law. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they expected me to go to law school, right? That expectation wasn't based on their experience, right? If right. they had just been defined by their experience, their experiences would have told them that all kinds of things would have prevented that from happening. But yet they got up every day living into their expectations and pursuing their expectations for them and for us. The lesson for us today in this country for the community development uh, sector as well as others is we have to join the expectations of the people in the communities where we're working if we really want to make progress. We cannot just look and say, oh, here's a community that historically has been underinvested and housings have been vacant for years and we have never been able to get commercial corridors. So Mm -hmm. our experience would tell us that we shouldn't bother. No. The experience of the civil rights movement, the experience of folks who have overcome lynching and black codes and the rest is that it was their constant pursuit of their expectations to sit in the front of the bus, that at the end was the energy that kept the movement alive that has resulted today in at least a society that is not government-sanctioned segregation, right? That's the lesson of black history. It's that you have to continue to invest in communities' expectations, guided, informed by their Mm -hmm. experiences, but pursuing their expectations. That's, for me, what black history should teach us as individuals and should teach the country at large. And so we got to keep doing this work. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Maurice. As usual, it's a pleasure. And look forward to building on this topic in future conversations. Great. Thanks for having me.